Today's reading comes from 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, nothing before the appointed time. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Brian Telsrow, and I have the privilege, the gift, of bringing God's word here to us this morning. Uh, we are continuing our surge, uh, series called What We Are, Images of Ministry, taken from a book by Dave Bast. Uh, throughout First and Second Corinthians, Paul identifies believers with different kind of titles. And he uses titles like co-workers, servants, stewards of God's mysteries, aroma of Christ, jars of clay, and ambassadors. Last week, we talked about being servants. This week, I get to talk about being stewards of God's mysteries. Well, when you hear the word mysteries, I would wager that our minds go immediately to some type of a crime scene, some type of a murder case of some sort. Maybe if you're a watcher of Dateline or 2020, those kind of things kind of come out during the shows like that. Some of us are captivated by mysteries, illusions, and even mind teasers. A few months ago, I shared a little mind teaser with us about a knife. Uh, and I realized some of you have figured out that riddle, but some of you have not. So I thought I would bring some closure to that riddle here for us this morning. So, listen, if this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? Yes, it is. Let's try it again. If this is a knife and this is a knife, is this a knife? No. I still see some confusion. Let me simplify it. Listen. Is this a knife? Yes. Try it again. Is this a knife? No. no. For those who get it, what's the word? Listen. listen. If I say listen, it's a knife. If I don't say listen to the question, it's not a knife. That's the simple riddle. Yes, I know it, Lois. It's the way we spend a lot of time on, in youth trips trying to just pass the time. Um, and it works. Well, I get that not all of us uh, are really excited about mind teasers, my wife included. Um, but when Paul writes here in his letter to the Corinthians uh, that we as believers and followers of Jesus have been entrusted with the mysteries of God, he is not referring to a riddle. He's also not referring to finding Cleopatra's tomb or the Ark of the Covenant or Noah's Ark or a lost treasure of some sort, Jimmy Hoffa, or who killed JFK. All are still unsolved mysteries. 
But Jesus isn't a savior who seeks to frustrate or confuse us. The great mystery, according to the Pauline sense, is that the once hidden but now openly revealed truth about God's plan to save the world through Jesus Christ and create in the process a new community of the reconciled comprising people from every race, language, and background is a true mystery. How does he do that? Paul speaks in various places about the mystery of God, uh, his will to unite us all into one body through Christ. And this mystery of Christ, namely the Gentiles, are also fellow heirs along with all of God's creation, Jews included. The mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ, and Christ in you, the hope of glory. To put it simply, the mysteries of God remains or means the gospel. It's that simple. It's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is a mystery to those who have not embraced it or entrusted Jesus with their lives. As I said last week, to be truly free means to submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus. Now, by the way, it was Joshua 24, not 25, that I spoke of last week, that where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Service is the ticket toward freedom. That's what it truly means to be free. Everything else, including every other God, is a counterfeit. God has entrusted this mystery, this good news, to our stewardship. That is, to all who believe and all who follow Jesus and share the gospel with those who haven't heard, who are not yet free, and who are searching. As the key thing for a servant is obedience, so the supreme need for a steward is faithfulness. Our second verse in today's passage says this, it is required among stewards that they be found trustworthy or faithful, today's translation said. The truth is both comforting, confronting, and challenge, challenging. As a minister of the gospel, Dave Bass writes in his text, I don't have to be brilliant or original. I don't have to be impressive. I don't have to be perfect. I don't even have to be successful according to the world's standards. But what I do have to be is faithful. Well, now, we've thrown a few words around here that I think need some clarification. One translation uses the word entrusted, another steward, and yet another manage. Entrusted means to assign the responsibilities for doing something to someone or to put something into someone's care or protection, like a babysitter, a dog walker, or maybe even an estate planner. You are entrusting them with your assets, things that you value. A steward, used as a verb in this case, means to manage or to look after. Something is important to you, like perhaps for a student is your cell phone, for others are your friends, or perhaps your car. They are being stewards to watch over that. A manager's job is to ensure that the goals are being pursued in the right direction. So what does it mean to be faithful in our stewardship of the gospel? Luke 16 says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, 
you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches in heaven? If you are not faithful with other people's things, then why should you be entrusted with things of your own? This is why you may have heard that when you borrow something, you return it better than when you received it. It's that principle that applies. Faithfulness in the stewardship of the gospel takes work. It may even be painful and difficult at times. Dave Bass, again, identifies two things that we're required to do in terms of uh, being trustworthy stewards of the mysteries of God. And the first thing is to be faithful with the gospel message itself. Fellow, uh, following Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit descended on all believers, the, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves. Devotion is more than just a cursory Passover. Devotion is full commitment towards something of great value. And they identified the apostles' teachings of great value. The first obligation of all true servants of Jesus is fidelity to the written word in the form of the books of the New Testament. This is one reason why reading your Bible every day is so critical. We need to know the truth and this truth will set us free, says Jesus in John 8. We need to read the word and to do what it says. Let me say that again. We need to read the word of God and do what it says on a daily, regular basis. There are many false teachings out there and it's our job to discern what someone says and keeping that in line with what the gospel, what the word of God says as ministers and followers of Jesus Christ. Numerous cultural forces put pressure on ministers and followers of Jesus to compromise their fidelity to the apostles' teachings. One such thing is known as materialism. It's a pursuit that many are after to try to fulfill the void that sits inside and it doesn't satisfy. Consumerism does the same thing. We think if we just acquire, if we just gain more things, it'll fill that void. That doesn't work. Individualism, clearly as we talked about last week, the true direction towards freedom is service towards others. Celebrity worship is a very popular thing in today's culture, but comparison is the killer of joy. And the cult of entertainment all threaten our adherence to, the, to authentic Christianity. Fidelity to scripture means our life decisions are in line with God's plans and purposes. That is the first challenge and ability to be able to be faithful to the gospel in the message itself. The second way in which Christian stewards must be faithful is by striving to lead lives that faithfully reflect the gospel values of the message that we proclaim. All too often, we deny by our actions what we proclaim in our pulpits and in our conversations. And I recognize I can be just as guilty of this as the rest of us. However, the more authentic we can be with the lives that we live, the more credible our lives will preach. We are not called to be perfect, 
but we need to be authentic and genuine about our efforts to be like Christ in all things that we do. St. Francis of Assisi has this famous expression, preach the gospel and only when necessary, use words. Now there's complications around who that really came from and did he really say that, but the point is clear. As Jesus says, let your light show shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify our God in heaven. Another common expression is our walk needs to match our talk. Bill Hybels uh, used to uh, lead a leadership seminar in Chicago, and I used to go to this regularly. And he shared a story one time that all leaders should have a couple of books that they are reading to spur them on, to grow in their own uh, leadership capacity. Well, he had to exit that conference right after the event, and uh, someone wanted to test him with what he just was teaching. So that person stood in the doorway, in the exit way that he was going, and said, I want to see your briefcase. He says, you better have two books in there. Because if you're teaching us to do it, you better be living it himself. And he said, by God's grace, there were two books in my briefcase that I was reading. He says, it's about living it out as we should. Uh, John 13, Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So they will know that we are believers by our love and our capacity to care for each other. The world is watching. They will make a judgment about God, the church, and Christianity by the way they see how we treat one another. Our actions speak louder than words. We need to reproduce the details of Jesus' life in our living. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he summarizes what we ought to be doing in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of your, for yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what might some of those good works look like if we are to live and practice this the way that Paul wrote and the way that Jesus identifies? Well, I think first and foremost, it begins with pouring out love and grace in abundance because of his love and grace in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't natural consequences to some of our actions. We still can be folks of giving out grace even in the midst of some of those natural consequences. But none of us are saved by our works. No matter how righteous we may seem, it is still his grace that saves us and anyone around us. So be gracious in your stewardship of God's mysteries, of his gospel. Second, to be hardworking. Remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Now, we ought to be maybe one of the first ones that volunteer when somebody needs help. You see somebody has a need, you reach out and immediately step in to help in those situations. That's how we can be hardworking with some of the things that we do. We're taking the tasks and trying to fulfill them the way the person who gave them expects them to be done, or even better. Another is approving your skill and don't settle for good enough. Many of us have probably have said that phrase a lot. Oh, that's good enough. That's good enough for them. 
Is it? Now, some of us who are perfectionists, we get a little bit too wrapped up and we need to allow for some good enough to happen. Uh, but there's other of us that just do the good enough as if to think, ah, that's not necessary to go the extra mile. But I wonder, is that really being the witness that God wants us to be in the roles that we're playing at work, at home, our neighborhoods, with our friendships? Are we doing the best we can for the sake of Christ? And then fourthly, pursuing your calling with discipline and diligence. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Anything of value takes discipline to remain faithful. Our jobs, our relationships, our marriages, even our love and grace to the world takes discipline. Anything of great value has work, diligence, and discipline as part of it. To exercise that is a way to be faithful stewards of God's ministries. We are stewards of God's mysteries, excuse me, mysteries. To be faithful stewards, we must be faithful to the gospel message and we must strive to lead lives that are faithfully reflecting the gospel values of the message we proclaim. First and foremost, I believe that this is about reflecting the love and the grace of God to all with whom we are encountering. We need to be grace givers and the champions of that in all of the circles that we might be living and practicing. It is not our job to convict others of the choices that they have made. That is God's doing. And as my wife likes to say, nag Jesus about it. Not the other person. My job is to be faithful with the grace that he's given me and let that grace draw others into a relationship with him. Now one day our ministries will be evaluated by the Lord himself. When we appear before him, he will not ask us how famous we were, how wealthy, how successful, or how popular. He will not measure the size of our church or the budget of our ministry. He will, though, ask, were you faithful with the gospel treasure I entrusted to you? It is not ours to be kept. It is to be shared. It is the gift that he's given to each one of us. Remember the parable? Some of you may not know this. It's found in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, Jesus shares a parable about a steward, the parable of the talents. He gave one man, one person, five bags of gold, gave another two bags of gold, and another one. The, the two with, that were given five and two were able to double the value of what was given to them by their faithfulness of being good stewards of his grace of his reconciliation and of his love. That's the point of the story. The one who was only given one hid it for himself. It's not to be hidden for ourselves. We have been given, we're to be stewards of God's mysteries, to be able to share that with others wherever we might find them. We've been entrusted with this mystery, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So therefore, let us be found faithful in all that God has entrusted to us in the hopes of hearing the words that is encapsulated in this story. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been entrusted with little things. 
Now you will be given great responsibility. Come then, enjoy your master's inheritance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.